and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I'm your host, Matt McLaughlin, flying solo, throwing it back to the early days of the podcast when I would just record on the voice memos on my phone and somehow did half an hour. Uh, but I this is one of the most exciting weekends in Philadelphia sports history. And so I want to do this little exercise. Are we on the verge of witnessing the greatest year in Philadelphia sports history in the four major pro sport team era of the city. Now, when I'm talking year, I classified this as when baseball season ends, whether it's in the playoffs or just the regular season ends, carrying through up until through football season. Because typically baseball season ends, that's when football season is already either in full swing or just starting up. Hockey is right on the verge of starting up. And the Sixers, uh, tip off tonight actually as i'm recording this on october 18th and i'll post this the same day because i really want to get this out there so all four sports kind of are at going on at the same time when baseball playoffs start so that's how i did this so i went back and went through years where all four teams either made the playoffs or made deep runs and it's really trust me it what didn't take me as long as you thought it would because it's been a while um so here's what i'm going to start with 2011 phillies lose the nlds flyers losing the conference semifinals the sixers losing the conference semifinals but the eagles go eight and eight no playoffs 2010 the phillies lose in the national league championship series the flyers lose in the stanley cup final to the chicago blackhawks never forget that patrick king goal and the sixers don't make the playoffs they go 27 to 55 sam hinkey processes in full swing at that point the eagles go 10 and 6 lost in the wild card 2009 the phillies losing the world series to the yankees of fucking course the flyers lost in the first round in six sixers losing the first round the eagles won 11 and five but lost in the wild card 2008 the phillies won the world series the flyers losing the conference finals in five games the sixers lose in the first round and the eagles go nine and six but they lost in the nfc title game that's the whole arizona cardinals Flea Flicker from Kurt Warner uh, and still put in motion the biggest atrocity in Philadelphia Eagles history, which was allowing Brian Dawkins to finish his career with another team. 2007, the Phillies lose in the National League Divisional Series. Flyers don't even make the playoffs and no other team makes the playoffs. The Phillies were the only team that year to make the playoffs for their sport. 1980, the Phillies won the World Series the Flyers lose in the cup final, but post 116 points. The Sixers lost in the in the finals, and the Eagles went 12-4 and four and lost in the Super Bowl. So, after that, it's just either three teams don't make the playoffs or first-round exits. And so, in 2022, can Philly sports duplicate what happened 42 years ago and can each team get into the championship round or game match of their respective sport? The Phillies, I'll preview the championship series later in this episode, but the season is already a success going to the National League Championship Series. The, f- the two biggest wild cards are the Flyers and the Sixers. The Flyers currently sit 2-0, and it looks like John Tortorella, every penny is worth it that he's getting. They're 2-0, and number 12 in goals for, uh, and number 12 in power play percentage at 25%, which if you follow the Flyers the last few years, the power play has been atrocious. 
the Sixers, Joel Embiid is going to be an MVP. And Maxi, the bench, and is Doc Rivers actually going to be a good coach? The Eagles. The Eagles sit 6-0. They're number two in point differential at plus 56. They're coming off a huge win against the Dallas Cowboys. But if there's any Achilles heel to the Eagles, it's the fact that they cannot score for whatever reason in the second half. They, For whatever reason, Nick Sirianni goes for the jugular, but he does it through the air rather than just grinding away at the front line and trying to get that defense exhausted through the run. Because when I was watching that Eagles-Cowboys game, it was infuriating just to see them clearly going for the kill, but only doing it through the air and trying to force Jalen Hurts to make bad decisions or bad plays. So when I'm looking at all of this, I think the Phillies definitely have a chance to reach the World Series against the Padres. I think the Flyers could surprise a lot of people in the East. I'm not necessarily sold on uh, Washington getting in their way. The Devils look like an, an, a dumpster fire pretty much. The Sixers, the Sixers could be a top two, top top three team in the conference this year. And by the time playoffs roll around, maybe, maybe they could make a deep run. And in the playoffs, as we've seen as Phillies fan, Philly fans, anything can happen. Kawhi can hit a three-bound shot, which was a missed travel, by the way, and send them home early. And in the blink of an eye, it's over. It's done. But when you look at the rest of the East, we Timmy and I covered this in our Easter Conference preview pod uh, just last episode. Be sure to check that out. Um, the East, there are a lot of scrappy teams, and there are a lot of teams that have made big moves. But, but top to bottom, the Celtics are in instability paradise with basically having a new head coach take over for under the strangest circumstances in NBA history. The Raptors, they have a lot of defensive versatility, but they don't necessarily have that rim protector. And I think the uh, backcourt defense to stop either a Tyrese Maxey. I think Matisse Thibault is going to take a huge jump. Um, and some of the other wings slash guards that could really give them problems. Um, and when you look at the rest of the East, Cleveland is kind of banking on Donovan Mitchell to really provide another spark and another charge to their offense. But Donovan Mitchell is, has the defense of a slice of Swiss cheese. So, and then who else are you going to throw into that conversation? Milwaukee, they're dealing without Chris Middleton. And so is Chris Middleton incorporating him back into the offense? Is that going to take time? to develop and by the playoffs is he going to be at 100 percent, or could this be a nagging knee injury that occurs throughout the season and Giannis has injury questions for himself or he's had playoff series end early due to injuries before so are the Sixers the picture of health absolutely not but I think top to bottom they have the best roster and it really all comes down to Doc Rivers and how he handles the rotation moving forward but that doesn't mean they can't contend for a title so I think three out of the four teams, the Phillies, the Sixers, the Eagles, can all, will all contend for a title. The Phillies obviously are in contention for a title. The Eagles, maybe they can pull something off. I mean, their schedule doesn't really get much more difficult the rest of the way. And by the playoffs roll around, they'll be in number one seed, number two seed maybe. And the rest of the NFC 
Tom Brady's snapping. I don't know what is going on. I think mentally he's just broken. The Packers have turned into a dumpster fire of an organization and a roster because they thought that trading the best wide receiver that they had would work out well in their favor. I don't know why. Um, and the Rams can't put their stuff together. Right now, the, the Seahawks look better than the Rams, which is astonishing. I never thought that would be taking place. Um, and so the rest of the NFC is completely wide open, and the this is the best secondary the Eagles have had since the Super Bowl run. The defensive line, Jordan Davis is getting more and more minutes as the weeks progress. It's awesome to see him really kind of thrive and get get more time as he's grown and developed. And this may be, the, honestly, the Eagles have handled this the best way possible. They didn't throw Jordan Davis into the starting lineup immediately, which I don't think they should have done. I don't think they should do that to N'Kobe Dean as well. You have Kazir White, who's been flying sideline to sideline. You have Hassan Reddick, who looks like one of the best signings so far. And this is an offseason loaded with signings and transactions that Howie Roseman has worked to perfection. James Bradbury looks like a guy that we haven't seen as Eagles fans since Asante Samuel. Maybe then it's it's going to be it's awesome to watch. And so the Eagles, I would bank on the Eagles the most. They they just need I want to see a game where they are down in the second half and they have to claw back their way in. I'm not talking about like a single possession game. I'm talking about you're down 10, 14, maybe even 20 points. How is this offense going to perform? That is what's really going to be the key factor for that team going into the playoffs. But my voice is going right now. And so I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Philly's NLCS uh, preview and maybe some, even some wagers, some wagers that I think would be smart money to throw your, throw your money on. Uh, so we'll take a quick break. Be right back after this. All right. NLCS preview. First of all, well, to kind of let's go back a little bit to recap the NLDS. Part of the reason why my voice is so gone is because me and a couple of friends went to uh, game three of the NLDS on this past Friday. And there are so much emotions, even as I think about it right now, it still feels like a dream to me. But my biggest takeaway from that game was this is why I fell in love with baseball in the first place. This type of atmosphere is why people love baseball and especially playoff baseball. It's it's almost its own thing. Like, like playoff hockey is almost kind of like its own thing and, you know, playoff football and all the other types of playoffs. But with baseball, I think it's so special because in an instant with one swing of the bat, the whole momentum of a series of a game can change. And Reese Hoskins, perfect example. Reese Hoskins has been either the target of criticism and also he's been praised for his play throughout the season. Defensively, he's been maddening to watch. I think maddening is a good word to use. Um, and in game three, he did that happened as well. He had two drops on plays that could have ended innings, but instead kept Nola out there for 10, 10 to 15-ish more pitches than he needed to be. But he has that huge three-run home run, which will go down in Philly sports history as iconic, no matter what the rest of Reese Hoskins' career is. That, play, that moment will always be iconic. And that type of atmosphere, I think, has been missing in Philadelphia for so long. And this team, this 2022 Phillies team, is very reminiscent of the 
08, 07, 1993 teams where they're just they're scrappy. They're not going to give up. Those and that top two uh, pairing of Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. That's one of the best pairings in all of baseball. And so to kind of transition into this series against the Padres, I'm looking at the Padres and I'm like, okay, they got Darvish, they got Snell, they got Musgrove. Hater looks like he's finally getting back to his form when he was in Milwaukee. But still, somehow, some way, I think this the Phillies still somehow figure out a way to pull it off. It, I mean, it's tough to call. So, like the Phillies were four and three during the regular season series. They they beat the Padres, and I think they won three out of the last four games in that series. And the last matchup. The Phillies won eight to five. Darvish went six innings pitched, seven hits, three earned runs, one walk. The Phillies pitcher wasn't Zach Wheeler. It was Kyle Gibson who got roughed up two and two thirds, five earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. And what's important to note, and I wrote down, was there was no Sir Anthony Dominguez in that bullpen rotation for that game. And still, somehow, some way, the Phillies pull, managed to pull it together and get the win for that matchup. Darvish versus Wheeler, there's a lot of concerns about the Phillies' offense. I think Wheeler's going to be Wheeler. He's going to give up two, maybe three runs at most. The question then becomes, can the Phillies' offense generate enough run support in order to give Wheeler a lead and just or just keep them in that ballgame? I think it happens. I think the bats are as hot as they've ever been. If Castellanos getting a couple of hits in that Brave series – Wool is huge for his confidence. Schwarber finally broke out of his slump uh, in game three, I believe it was. And Reese Hoskins is, I mean, it's it's unbelievable how quickly he's turned around and he's caught fire at the right time. And if anyone, surprisingly, when I was going through the numbers, surprisingly, Reese Hoskins of all people in this lineup has one of some of the best numbers against Darvish. Against you, Darvish, he's six for 16. Two doubles, one home run, three RBIs, two walks, and he's posted 375 batting average, a 688 slugging, and a 1.132 OPS. So Reese Hoskins getting hot at the right time, going up against Darvish, who surprisingly Hoskins has had his number. Reese could really be, he just needs runners on base to really just, again, as I said earlier, with one swing of the bat, change the momentum and the outlook of a game and possibly an entire series. If the Phillies can do what they did in Atlanta, which was just steal one game away on the road, setting up a back-to-back with at home with the Padres, it's Philadelphia, their first NLCS in 13 years since 09. I, I do see the Phillies somehow pulling this series out. With game one specifically, is is Wheeler going to be able to bottle up a guy like Machado who's had an MVP level season? And is he going to be able to keep down some of the other guys, i.e. Josh Bell, Trent Grisham, some of these other, other guys that are still dangerous but not nearly to the same level as Machado. Machado makes that lineup go, and Bell can strike at any moment, similar to Hoskins. So I, 
Wheeler's just been too dependent. And sure, he got roughed up. And even roughed up for him is giving up three runs. If Zach Wheeler gives up three runs through, let's say, six, seven innings in game one, the Phillies are in a very good position. They are in, they could have gotten rocked way worse. And so I think Wheeler is going to come out firing. I think he's really fired up to keep this team moving and keep them advancing. And I think that he wants to avenge that for him, a bad start, which for him, a bad start is great for most pitchers, but for him, a bad start and a loss, most importantly to Atlanta, I think he wants to come out firing and I think he's going to be, he's going to do what Joe Musgrove did to the Mets in that game three of the wild card series. I think he's going to come out and just shove it down the Padres throat and he's going to be all over his P's and Q's. So when Wheeler gets taken out in the seventh or eighth inning, is the Phillies bullpen going to hold up? Yes, I believe so. I believe so. When you're looking at the numbers between these two bullpens side by side, the Padres bullpen, 219 ERA. The Phillies, 4.15. Padres, three saves. Phillies, one save. Padres have given up 12 hits. The Phillies have given up 16. Padres have allowed six earned runs. Phillies have only allowed 10 earned runs. Padres have given up one home run. The Phillies have given up four. Padres, 28 strikeouts. Phillies, 29 strikeouts. Padres, nine walks. Phillies, six walks and both bullpens combined for just one walk in their closeout games. What I do want to add to the Phillies numbers though, is that one game against Atlanta where they gave up six runs. And that's where the majority of these numbers are kind of inflated to me. They only gave up after game one, they only allowed four runs the rest of the way, four runs over three games that's very impressive for a Phillies bullpen that's been questionable on throughout the season I think that they come out they fire on all cylinders and that the Phillies get a win in five games I think it goes to five games I think the Phillies steal one on the road and then maybe the Padres get one back but I think the Phillies are in prime position to win and the Phillies are going to win in five games all right so potential wagers for game one I do not gamble because I am 20 years old and that is illegal. But if I were to be a gambling man, I would definitely look at Reese Hoskins to hit a home run. Right now he's plus 360 on DraftKings, plus 480 on FanDuel, and plus 340 on MGM. I think that Reese Hoskins, I mentioned the stats earlier, he's 6 for 16 against Darvish, has already a home run to his name against Darvish. I think it would be very smart that Reese gets a hold of one. He's red hot with his bat. And I think that he's really going to be on his P's and Q's and carry that momentum into this game. And I think he's going to hit a dinger. Gene Segura for one plus RBI. Gene Segura, for whatever reason, somehow figures out a way to slap the ball into a gap, into a hole that the defense isn't shifted into and somehow gets on base. So if he gets on base, I would not be surprised if there's a situation where it's runners on first and second, first and third, and Segura figures out a way to once again slap one into the gap down the line, or even if, if even if it's just an infield single. Right now, that's plus two fifty five on DraftKings and plus two forty on MGM. Last one. This is a little bit, a little bit more assured for me. 
under seven runs. The over-under set at seven. Only two of the seven games in the season series combined for seven runs or more. And so I would definitely hammer the under just to get you a nice little opening win, opening or closing, I guess, closing win uh, to make your day a little bit better. Plus 100 on DraftKings, minus 122 on FanDuel, and plus 100 on MGM. And these are all according to RotoWire as I record this on Tuesday morning. So those are the potential wagers that I would look at. There are obviously a whole bunch of others that I would not necessarily touch just because I think this game will come down to a pitcher's duel and which pitcher will make the first mistake and which bullpen will make the first mistake. And I think the Phillies are set up to take advantage of that more than the Padres. And so I think the Phillies win this in six games. Game one, I think the Phillies win it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like a 4-1, 4-2 win. So be sure to like, comment, subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button while you're there. Please like it. That's the best way to support the show. And we will catch you in the next episode.